about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. Notre Dame fans, we're playing in a bowl game, a big bowl game. Fiesta Bowl coming up with the Oklahoma State Cowboys. I'm Dylan, joined by Stephen P. Wagon. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And how's everyone doing? It's post-Christmas, getting ready for the big bowl game. Hanging in there, eating turkey, if that's not controversial anymore. Still is. Still a, still a rough spot there. Uh, doing good. Just living, getting through to the first. Uh, waiting on bated breath with every tweet that the games might get canceled. Uh, and if they do, I'll be very sad inside. Uh, so, yeah, that that's kind of where I'm at. Just waiting till kickoff to see the... Uh, the run of the Irish uh, to break the Fiesta Bowl curse. So Marcus Freeman's going to be coaching in his first game. Um, but P, before we talk about the game, I want to ask you. I want to go right back to you. Can you explain to what some of, to some of our newer listeners um, what Hate Week is um, and some of the shenanigans we've gotten into in the past? Well, Hate Week is only during the bowl week and occasionally when I, I don't like a team that we play during the regular season. I wake up before work. I Google the team that we're playing and I come up with something innocuous, nothing actually cyberbullying, nothing that could get me sued. Um, <laughs> just like, you know, <laughs> team boom picking sued his son for cyberbullying. <laughs> there's tomorrow's tweet <laughs> like an asshole but i'll just i'll come up with different stuff uh one year when we were playing alabama uh my alabama hate week went viral on reddit i did sat scores um i also did you're a mean one mr grinch and turned it into coach saban it, it's, it's meant to be fun i made a joke about uh how the yellow hammer was a bird in the civil war and it's all meant to be just fun stupid jokes that people take way too seriously uh clemson hate week we did that too uh, i think it's only been three years of this uh so it's been clemson and alabama so far i don't think i did iowa state hate week um they're not worthy yeah they weren't and even oklahoma state it's hard because they they're just boring so yeah it's meant to be fun it's a joke. It's meant to get people pumped up for the game. In no way do I actually hate these teams. They're not Michigan. But yeah, that's that's the quick synopsis of what our hate week is. Uh, we did go viral on Reddit. A million views <laughs> on one of our posts. Uh, I just hope it doesn't happen again this year. I really don't. Yeah, it's a risk. Um, so well, yeah, last year you made the tweet about SAT and ACT scores. It kind of suggesting like, you know. Notre Dame's a better school than Alabama. I know, I, well, no I shit. That's just an impure like, and, and people in the South did not like that. We were we called Northern the, Elitists. We had the whole SEC going up against us. It wasn't even – and even some of our fans, like, oh, my – everyone hated us. 
Yeah, but then a lot of people liked the tweet because it was pretty funny. So <laughs> it balanced out. Um, but we're we're no stranger to controversy. Let's hope there's no controversy this year. Um, Steve, bowl game, bowl season. How's it been so far? Uh, bowl season. I haven't seen a single game, and then all <laughs> of the games, <laughs> all of the games that I've wanted to see um, have been subsequently canceled in, in like the last twenty four to forty eight hours. As uh, as as COVID is uh, making a little bit of a comeback here, <clears throat> and uh, how how deep you, you guys want to get into that, but it's I, I personally am, am quite pissed off about it. I, I think that you know you know let let the kids decide, let let them make their own decision, and and it, you know if they can go out there and uh, you know throw their bodies into one another at twenty five miles an hour you know, at full speed, uh, you know, with the potential to snap their fucking neck or get a, you know, a, a concussion, you know, look at fucking what happened to Eric Legrand, uh, from Rutgers a couple of years ago. He's, he's permanently in a wheelchair, right? So th- these are kids that p- put their bodies on the line, but you're, you're telling them, you know, case of the sniffles, you know, go lock yourself inside for 10 days. You know, I, I, you don't want to get too far in, into the weeds with it, you know, and, and try to stay kind of down the middle. It's just, that's, been an annoying aspect of of seeing some really exciting matches matchups canceled so um but as for this upcoming saturday it's it's thrilling in the in the aspect that this finally feels like and and knock on every slab of wood that's ever been created in in the history of earth uh this finally feels like this is a big bowl game a new year six bowl game a relevant bowl game that notre dame is prospectively going to come out on top with, and you know, anything can happen, you know, hedge, 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 somebody knock on something, knock on all the wood. But that's my excitement is just like, Oh shit, we might get the monkey off our back. And and that's what I can't, I can't wait. You know, I, I, I can't wait for the, the first snap of that game. Cause it's going to be so exciting. Um, excuse me guys. I wasn't here last week for the last podcast. Did you talk about Harry, uh, high stand at all? He stand. We did not. Do, would you guys like to discuss this with our audience? or? Um, shoot. Okay. Yeah, um, so sources have confirmed. Um, it's out there. So it's not. we're not breaking anything here. Um, former Notre Dame offensive line coach Harry Heastand, um, regarded as a guru of offensive linemen, was here in the glory years of Notre Dame offensive linemen, with the exception of obviously Joe Moore. Um, elite coach, elite developer very good recruiter um was in the nfl for a while rumor has it that he will be the next offensive line coach at notre dame um by all means it sounded like he was retired i think what that meant was he was retired from working with coach kelly because as the rumor (laughs) goes as soon as marcus freeman was announced head coach apparently he was actually reaching out to get the job i don't know how true that is these are just out there just to clarify protect ourselves from you know liability yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it sounds like he'll be coming. It sounds like there's a possibility Chris Watt uh, will be coming with him. Uh, Chris Watt, former Notre Dame offensive lineman. He was a grad assistant last year. He's now the offensive line coach, I believe, at Tulsa. There's talk he might come with Harry because they are uh, that's kind of his protege. They're kind of a package, which would be great. Um, I think, you know, Jeff Quinn's going to leave. I think everybody knows that now. And Coach Highstand, who brought in Quentin Nelson, uh, who developed Zach Martin, uh, brought Stanley. in McGlinchey, Ronnie Stanley. I mean, every offensive lineman that is currently on a Pro Bowl roster. You know, I mean, it seems like they're all on Pro Bowls this year. Um, 
that coach is coming back. So that's going to be a huge thing. And we've talked before about how everything's starting to kind of fall together, right? Like you have Marcus Freeman take over. There's a new energy. Reese stays. Um, the whole coaching staff that you want stays. Uh, recruiting was good. It's getting even better. The quarterback's coming. It's like we're just putting all those pieces together and adding Harry Heastan to this coaching staff might just do the trick. Um, do either of you have any kind of comments or thoughts uh, on these speculated rumors so far? Yeah, this is going to be more so high level. Chris Watt is an African-American man, correct? Uh, no, he is not. It is the Dickens. I don't know. what. Whatever. I'm not going to get myself into trouble. He's white. Okay, never mind. Then. <laughs> I, I was going to say uh, it's interesting with a lot of the staff. You're seeing more more individuals who are younger coaches who also happen to be black uh, that are starting to appear on the staff. Uh, and I think that just is going counter to uh, counter to what the previous administrations had. Uh, but now that Chris Watt is not black, uh, I take that one back, but having a black head coach <laughs> definitely will help with recruiting uh, as much as we don't want to make it a race thing. It will help. Uh, Chris Watt, just in general, uh, 31 years old. Uh, looks like he did play in the NFL for a, a hot minute from my Wikipedia poll uh, that I was able to pull up here. Uh, yeah, injuries, injuries ended his career. He was playing quite well in San Diego, I think, before uh, they yeah. thought it was San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then Tulane. Great job for him. I'm glad that he he's uh, over there. The the word on the street was that they actually reached out to Chris Watt too. Um, cause they didn't think Harry would be interested. Um, but you know, things have changed there. So, you know, Chris Watt, if he was considered for the job outright and he's coming as like an assistant for coach Harry, he stand. Wow. <laughs> that's a, that's a stellar group there. And um, it, it kind of sets him up to be the heir apparent, right? Cause, cause Harry is, he's pretty old. You know, he was obviously previously in retirement, you know, cause he, uh, he, he went left from us to go to the NFL, to the Chicago bears, and all you have to do is say Chicago Bears, and you understand why it didn't work out. Um, sorry for any Chicago Bears fans. <laughs> I know there's actually a massive overlap with Notre Dame fans. Uh, clean shot, you got to admit, clean shot. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, the fact that he he basically told Kelly go screw, and uh, now uh, you know Marcus is is the head man in charge. He he's excited and thrilled to come back. He's probably got realistically three to five seasons right and then if uh, and then i think watt if if he's coming in with the understanding of hey you know i'm just going to continue to learn and develop as a coach so that way i can continue to teach and develop these young players and and you know kind of shift into the role as the the o-line coach going forward if if he's the heir apparent i mean that just that helps with continuity helps with recruiting helps with everything so uh, and and obviously development so that that's what's exciting so when you said that harry highstand is coming I am also coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if the audience has noticed yet, but as the season gets on, this podcast gets sloppier and sloppier, which, of course, makes for the best episodes. Um, I don't mean to be that guy who's like, oh, I, you know, I thought about this or I knew this was coming. Um, but before the announcements came out, I was like, you know, we have shower thoughts. You know, you just your mind is clear. You could see into the future almost. I was thinking to myself, why doesn't Harry Highstead come back and coach and Chris Watt just take over? Like, wouldn't that make a lot of sense? 
Um, and then a couple days later, those are the rumblings. So hopefully that's true. I think that'd be a great hire. Um, P, you're more of a, a coach's guy. Um, you have any thoughts on on Coach H? And uh, are you excited for the hire if if it happens? Well, if he comes back, you know the reason he's coming back is because he didn't like that other asshole who was in charge. Uh, so is it going to be a fit with Freeman? Maybe. Did he work with Tommy ever? I don't think so other than being a coach for him. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what how him and Tommy mesh as coaches. Uh, but really, I think he, he staying does do a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, doesn't love recruiting, which is why they're probably also bringing in a second O-line coach to do more of the recruiting side of the house. Uh, but whenever you get someone who wants to be there, it's always a good thing. I know that's talking brass generalities there. but Well, he's the, in, in South Bend, too. Like he he's he's never left. Like he, he his huh. home is in South Bend, so it's a it's yeah, a natural fit. He didn't like Kelly. That's the reason he left. So it'll be very interesting to see. I think a lot of people, unfortunately, are putting the cart uh, before the horse, us included, with Freeman. Uh, that's just because the difference between, uh, well, let, let's break it down. Freeman has not won a game for, has not coached a game ever. Yep. Brian Kelly was the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. And losingest. And yes, and losingest. People, people forget. <laughs> we, we don't have to. We, we we don't have to beat the drum for him anymore. We <laughs> we don't have to like, perform propaganda for him anymore. We're on to the next guy. <laughs> that's when you're not wrong. But like, wait, wait just one more joke. One more joke. You know the picture of Stalin when he's next to the guy in the boat, and then and then there's the other picture where there's no fucking guy in the boat. <laughs> That that's us. <laughs> so sorry. Yes, not putting yeah, the car no. before the horse with Mr. Marcus Freeman. Uh, continue. Yeah. So we we are putting the car before the horse with him, but like, it's a change of pace just because of who he is as a person. So you're seeing all that happen. You're seeing old alumni get behind them. Uh, and it's just very interesting to see the, the dynamic change that quickly. Do I think he's going to do great things? Yes. Do I think he's going to become the winningest coach in Notre Dame history? I don't know. Unequivocally, yes. Well, but <laughs> like at the same time, you can't say that until you right. see what product he puts out on the field. We can hear all about how Competition Tuesday, the gold standard, but blah, 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 mm. all the stuff he's talking but, about. But until we see what's on the field, I'm going to be hesitant until I can see him coach a football game. Yeah, that's a good let, point. Let me just tell you, and and Dylan, I'll let you take it from here. <laughs> I am all in on head coach Marcus Freeman being the guy and the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. Because if he doesn't, I'm not making it to the next head coach. All right? <laughs> I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I'm feeling a little loopy tonight. I just inhaled a bunch of fumes from cooking a burger. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a going a little nuts, and I'll, I'll tell you quite frankly, if, Ed, if Marcus Reitman ain't the guy, I ain't alive anymore. We we should have a spinoff podcast just where we get squirrely and have ridiculous conversations uh, where we've inhaled burger fumes. Um, so ah, some yes, things perfect. to say with the wrapping up the Harry Heastan conversation, 
I do believe he may have overlapped with Coach Tom Reese when Tom Reese was brought in as a graduate assistant. I don't know what year that was, but it's possible they were they oversaw each other for a year. Um, the room, yeah, it, it sounds from what I understand, it sounds like he doesn't like recruiting in the sense that he's not a grinder. Like he's not going to call a kid every day. Um, thankfully, with offensive linemen, I don't think you really need to do that. They're not divas. Um, but my understanding is that he's always been a great recruiter because his pitch was amazing. Um, he, people love him as a coach from what we've seen and heard. And I think getting, once he gets those kids to Notre Dame, he tends to have success locking them up. I think what Chris Watt brings is not only is, you know, Harry, I'll have all that going for him. And by the way, and a better recruiting pitch now that he's got all those guys in the NFL and Notre Dame's a perennial contender. So a coach, he stands pitch is going to be remarkable. But on top of that, I think what Chris Watt might come in to do is more of the grinding on the recruiting trail. So it's not that uh, he stands on a good recruiter. I think he's a great recruiter. Um, but from what I understand, he just isn't a grinder. And I think that's maybe where another coach will come pick up. So if you combine that with what Harry already brings, I mean, we're going to probably get every five-star <laughs> offensive line recruit in the country. Um, anything else you guys want to say on that um, or coaching? I know we got the D.C. positions open yet. No real names are out there um, that are you know confident enough to say on air. Um, anything else or should we move right into this bowl game? Uh, well, the special teams coach, it's coming down to uh, Biagi and Lazinski, which I think as a special teams resident special teamer here, uh, I think those two make a lot of sense. Both have Notre Dame in, in their background. Uh, everyone in the rumblings I'm hearing is Biagi. Uh, they just haven't made that official yet, but I think Lazinski will stay along. He's doing linebackers in the bowl game. So uh, if they could go two for one there, that's going to be amazing. That 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 was an interesting sign that Freeman promoted him to the linebackers coach for this game. Maybe as a test run, that might give an indication of where he's seeing things. Um, I wanted to ask you, Pete, because the uh, the podcast account on Twitter tweeted, you know, per some sources, it's come down to these three names. Um, what I want to ask you, because I haven't had the chance to behind the scenes, um, is that um, your sources or is that out there that we compiled? Yes. That's okay. all. That's all I can say. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Journalistic uh, integrity 101. The Four Horsemen podcast. Nobody's better at ethics. <laughs> no, like, I, j just know that I, I know things. I hear things, and I also do research. So, it's a could be a mixture of that. Could be one. Could be the other. We're gonna keep you guessing, like where the cups are going. So, uh, true. I'm the marble. Given the three professions we are in or going to be in, uh, we probably should be the least ethical group uh, to ever form a podcast. Because that law, you know, Steve, you're in insurance. Um, finance. Fi finance, but finance for insurance. And then uh, I think, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm very unaware of everything. And then P, of course, <laughs> is a recruiter. And I feel like recruiters might be the most unethical of them all. <laughs> Says the lawyer. That's <laughs> the fucking lawyer. Uh, this is good, guys. Um, yeah, Oklahoma State. I'm not afraid of them. I'm not afraid of them. Um, I was on our friend Robert uh, Martin's podcast, Lean Toss Up Sports, um, with Buck, and we did the bowl projections. And when it got to Notre Dame, what I had said is, I understand Oklahoma State has a good defense, and I understand Notre Dame's offense is you know, kind of okay. Um, it's been better lately, but it's not its best. That said, I'm still not afraid of Oklahoma State's defense. I just, I, I look at the Big 12 and I think 
that's not a great conference. Um, and I think Baylor also had a good defense this year. I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like the Big 12's offense was kind of not great this year. Um, and I think Oklahoma State's offense isn't terrifying. We all watched the Baylor-Oklahoma State game. I'm not worried. Um, I know the line was two and a half last time I checked. Um, I don't know if we've seen movement on that or yet. Um, but I think I yeah. saw one and a half. Yeah, I'm going to hammer that. So, you know, am I crazy, guys, or are you guys kind of feeling relaxed for this one? Not relaxed because I can never live in a state of relaxation uh, because I'm me. Uh, Oklahoma State does have an elite defense. They're fifth in the S&P Plus, uh, seventh in scoring defense, and third in total defense. Uh, but they have a mediocre offense. And Spencer Sanders. Did you just quote stats? I didn't. Did, did, <laughs> did, did, did p could just, one, do research? which has never been done in his history ever. and to quote SP plus, which is an advanced bill. That's Connelly. an advanced analytic buddy. Oh my, yeah. this is, this is are changing. Kelly's out. I'm doing research. <laughs> <laughs> what was holding this podcast back from doing the research this whole time was Brian was, Kelly's it presence. Brian. It's all Brian Kelly's fault. Send him uh, to the gulag anyway, <laughs> but they do have an elite defense. They have a mediocre offense. Spencer Sanders, I can throw better than him left-handed than what he can do. Uh, but they have a good front eight on defense, and that is slightly terrifying because we don't have Kyron Williams to pick up the blitzes. What we do have is speed that they don't have. So I could see, I could see a quarterback by committee, TB12, uh, Jack Cohn kind of splitting reps here, but also moving into more of the outside you're going to be able to run between the numbers occasionally, between the hashes occasionally. But if you can get outside to the numbers, screen passes, quick hitters, even the, the jet and rocket motions, and, and really fuck with people out in that little gap and make them miss, it's game over there. So that's what I was, I'm seeing. I was so. going to say, I have two running play calls for this game. There's the Braden Lindsay jet sweep, which is technically a pass. And then there is on the goal line, Audric Estime will just be a bowling ball. Um, that's how I see us beating them. Because like you said, the, the front eight is great. Um, but they're also so aggressive. You run that re- you can run a read option. And I can get super technical here. You can run a read option with Michael Mayer having a stick route behind. So RPO. with that, it, technically, yes, but it's a RPO is an overused term. You run that option, you make that first defender wrong. Then, if you can throw it, you have that second defender coming up because he knows TB12 can run. Just a little dump pass to Mayer is a touchdown. So, I could see Reese opening up the playbook a little bit more with these type of plays. But, at the same time, I could see him sticking with Cone, having him sit in the pocket for as long as he can and throwing him downfield because the Big 12 doesn't play defense. So... Yeah, I, I, they, I was more concerned be just because yeah they they are a, a pretty damn good run defense, uh, but then again you're not looking at a particularly fantastic rushing offense conference you know not not a great offensive line conference right like the average recruit in the Big Twelve on the offensive line is a three star or even like a two star in some instances right like legitimately so, yeah. um, but that's just. Their defensive coordinator is also out. He's gone. He's at Ohio State now. So oh. will that change how the plays are being called? You don't know. 
Yeah. I, so uh, one thing that you did mention is that they they do crash down and they're quite aggressive in trying to fill the holes and, and plug those gaps. Now, with Kyren being out, you're going to see that the lion's share of carries are probably going to be split. I, I It's probably going to be 40, 40, 20 if, uh, if we're doing between, you know, Logan Diggs uh, and <clears throat> Chris Tyree and then Audrey Gastabay. Uh Tyree, I think he's a guy that you can you can probably go off tackle. Uh, and, and you can get involved in the screen game, and I think he's that's where he's going to be most effective. I think if you're going to go between the tackles, that's where you're going to live and die with uh, you know with, with Logan Diggs because he has kind of that hop step, that extra kind of uh, you know shimmy, just like hold on one extra half second, almost like a Le'Veon Bell pro hop as he gets to the line of scrimmage, just like waits an extra second, see what opens, hits the hole hard, and then he accelerates. So. That's where I actually think that in this case, it's almost more beneficial uh, that we have Logan Diggs than, than a Kyron Williams because Kyron will just hit a hole hard and he'll just go, right? There's, there's oftentimes very little hesitation from Kyron, and that's, that's you know, just the way he runs. That's his style, and he's extraordinarily effective doing it, and he'll break 14 tackles in a single play. Like the, He's incredible, and I can't wait to see him play on Sundays, hopefully for the Steelers. Actually, well, that's not going to happen with – Whatever, not going to get too far down that path, but uh, that's that, I think that's how we ultimately mitigate against them. Obviously, a lot of play action as well. If we are going to run play action, I don't want to see a lot of play action uh, from under center. Quite frankly, uh, a little bit here and there with like a you know maybe a little bit naked boot, uh, you know toss out wide on a you know quick hitter to uh, you know to Mayer, see what he can do and get upfield, break some tackles. But because you know that Mayer, if if he has if if Mayer has eight plus catches in this game, we win by probably three touchdowns because I, I think he can legitimately average 15 yards a catch, right? Because he's, I don't think that these big 12 defenders are going, they're going to be bouncing off him like bullets bouncing off of Superman. It's just going to be hilarious. So, uh, but I think that a play action from under center can take way too long for Jack Cohn, who's obviously not the most, uh, you know, mobile guy given the circumstances so if if we are going play action do it a lot out of you know out of you know different sets even a pistol right if if we can incorporate that that's mm-hmm. what i would look for oh that's that's kind of the matchups i'd like to see exploited and how we would attack the the running game and that's where i'll, I'll you know i'll pass back to you dylan and see your thoughts well while you were talking i just came up with a new segment um so let's let's run with this on the fly um so Am I crazy? I'm going to say something, and you guys tell me if I'm crazy or if I'm not and why. Um, number one, Notre Dame's offensive line is going to perform better in this game than they have in the last five. You're not crazy. Not crazy. And why am I not crazy? All Krusevich, JP, Madden, Fisher. That's the big one. I think even coming off an injury in his first game, I think Blake Fisher, as, an, as a true freshman with half a game experience, might actually be an improvement over Josh Lug. No disrespect to Josh Lug. I think that's just how good Blake Fisher is. And you got him on your right and Alt on your left. Yep. I'm thinking that's, this. Those are mountains. I think we might actually have a good offensive line in this game. Um, I grant it, you are playing a really good defense. Really good. I'm still suspect um, if if they are good, but I'm aware of of what the what the metrics say. Um, okay, number two. Kevin Austin 
has a 150, like, two-touchdown game? No. No as in he's crazy and that's not happening, or no as in he's not crazy? No as in he's crazy and that's not happening. I think you're crazy because I think Kevin Austin goes off. Okay. P, P, fight on that one. What's the, why am I crazy? I think with what we know, it's not going to be big plays that will score these touchdowns. There may be one. He might have one 75 yard. The rest of these are going to be quick plays, either over the middle, pushing the pace, but I don't think he's a big play receiver. He's not uh, like a Chris Fink type, to, to use a, an example from a couple of years ago. You know how you could go over the middle, quick pass, and have him scoot? Kevin Austin's not like that. So I don't think he'll go for 150. He'll definitely have at least one touchdown. But I think it's going to be a little bit more of a muted game. I hope I'm wrong. But I, I just think with how they have to play against this defense, they have to keep them on their back foot. Yeah, okay. well, he is inherently more of a a either, you know, send him down the sideline at, at you know at six three, two oh two ten call it. Um, you know, he can definitely go up and, and get those fifty fifty balls on go routes. He's also great at crossing routes. And I, I think if if the, the offensive line, which we've already posited that they're going to be improved and better. And if, if they can buy Cone just that extra half second, and if if Austin, you know, he can definitely get open. And if, if we can catch him on crossing routes, he has the shiftiness, but he also has just the aggression and the body type where he can really make some moves and get loose in, in, in the secondary. And I honestly think that if, if given time and Jack Cone can get him there, we might see a Kevin Austin have a performance that looks like, you know, the Alabama cat that tore us up last year. I, I genuinely think that. And that's why I, I'm expecting, you know, my estimation, seven catches, 120 plus yards and at least one touchdown. That's that's an, an estimated guess. Wow. That's a big one. I'm trying to get more and more crazy here. So I got another one for you. Am I crazy to think that Cam Hart has such a performance? that he generates NFL draft buzz in the offseason? No, because Spencer Sanders can't throw to where Cam Hart's going to be playing. <laughs> that's a hilarious take on it. I was just going to say, no, I think that's I think that's crazy in the aspect that I don't think that he's going to be able to put in a body of performance of work in one game. Yes, it's on the big stage. I just don't see him getting enough hype. Um, you know, to, to really thrust himself into the top four rounds. I, and, and if you're not going in the top four rounds, you know, what, what's the point of leaving early out of college? You're right. You know, uh, that, that, I guess that's, that's my rationale and my thoughts. So I, I think Cam is extremely talented. I think he has a future on Sundays. Uh, obviously, like I say about every single recruit and every single guy on the roster, because I'm an absolute sociopath, but, <laughs> um, I yeah. Do I think he performs well? Absolutely. Do I think that he has a performance that everyone looks out and says, you know, Heart Island? Not particularly. Okay. Last one. This one's deliberately geared towards P wagon. Am I crazy for thinking that we see a special teams trick play, either a fake punt or a fake field goal? <laughs> I, I will spontaneously <laughs> combust with Jay Bramblett. <laughs> Get the chance to throw a touchdown pass. I will. I I will literally no longer be a human. I, 
<laughs> you you could buy me on the the dark web or wherever I. You'll achieve that your final web. form. I, I will no longer. I will reach nirvana. <laughs> so, <laughs> there. Also, shout out Jay Bramble at Alex Lemonade Stand. We were actually donating. Uh, we donated some money to uh, them. He's raised eighty one hundred dollars for childhood cancer. Uh, so go check out his page. Donate, donate, donate. I think I can speak for everyone when I say fuck cancer. So that's a great cause. But yes, no, if they throw a trick play in there, I will lose it. I hope they do. I genuinely hope they do. And I, Dylan, I do not think you're crazy just because, uh, you know, bowl game, leave it all on the line, just like the the CLSU Mud Dogs. It's the last game of the year, right? So uh, that's my rationale. Didn't we have a bit a couple years ago that Phil Drakovic was the most efficient uh, player on the team because every time he got into the game, they scored? Well, yeah, wasn't that a bit that we I had? I think he was like handing. I think it was all just handoffs at yeah. like the one yard line or something. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, everything we do is a bit at this point. But yeah, well, I remember that. That was a fun bit. Dylan hated it. Uh, the best bit, and by best I mean absolutely the worst bit, was back in season one and a little bit in season two. The fake Chase Claypool conversations I would have because he was my cousin in the story because we're both from Canada, and we would pretend we would talk to each other. And it was with awful audio equipment. Like, that had to be the best slash worst segment we've ever done. I mean, in a nation of, like, 400,000 people, you have to be related somehow. <laughs> 400,000. <laughs> Where is that Iceland? Oops. 36 million, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, Both the no, size of California. No way yeah, but what's it's million. 36 million Canadian, but what's that to convert over to American? <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are a little more obese than us, so I don't know. It'd, yeah. be, it'd be probably more. There, there's no way there's 36 million Canadians. <laughs> there is 36 million Canadians. We're not actually that small of a country. Everyone thinks we're this tiny little place, but you know we're in the G8. It. One of the yeah, but three quarters of your entire nation is unha- uninhabitable. <laughs> yeah, probably more than three quarters. Yeah, we all live right by the border. So, speaking of that, speaking of borders, uh, they put Pine and Buckner on the depth chart with an or designation for the first time this year. I thought they did that every game. Nope, I checked. Oh. This was the first game that they did that. Maybe so. it's a power play to try to keep Pine interested, keep him on the roster just for continuity and a good backup next year. Well, no, I think Bob Pine was always listed as the backup, right? Buckner was, Pine was always the... two. Buckner was three. Oh, uh, yeah. Now, that or designation play says a lot. I wonder. We're seeing a lot of smoke out of the Notre Dame side. Maybe it's deliberate. But Coach Freeman talked in an interview with how amazing Tyler Buckner's throwing is. And then just today... Uh, one of the reporters in South Bend had said that uh, Kevin Austin made a statement saying that Tyler Buckner made some ridiculous throws, like some unbelievable type throws. Um, hey, it's possible TB12 is coming into his own throughout the season. I don't know. I get no, excited. He is going to win the Heisman next year and a the, national The reason for that is because of fucking social media, and we all know that. It's these assholes online who say, we contacted Keaton Slovis, and they made this big fucking graphic, and they all, you know, 
get the rots off to thinking about Keaton Slovis as a Notre Dame player. And oh, TB12 is a one trick pony. He doesn't know how to throw the ball. He's a fucking college 5,000 yards. And he is, he was one of the best athletes in California as a sophomore. California has 14 billion people in it. And he was one of the best athletes there. Yes, he can run, but he also didn't play football for two years. And then he goes and plays in a, college football game of course he's gonna look like shit for a little bit but he is a better athlete than 99 percent of this goddamn country is man just imagine just imagine if we had played cincinnati three weeks later than we had it's just it's ridiculous and all, <laughs> it's all these armchair quarterbacks who just want to armchair quarterback saying oh drew pine needs to start drew pine is five foot seven <laughs> yet so mean. He can't see over. He's the solid. Line. He's made some nice throws this year. When yes, he's, he's a, been he's a good quarterback for a G five school. <laughs> I even think he could be. He's a he's a solid ACC or West Coast quarterback as well. Uh, let's yeah. let's give him let's give him his due. I, I think you know Drew definitely has uh, you know the potential to. I, I don't think he has the potential. I think he is a starter on the majority of programs. I think Drew is a talented cat. It's it just, just so you know, happens that he's not going to start on Notre Dame, which is I mean, but the, the reason is Tyler Buckner is unbelievable. And I mean, we, yeah. we can start moving on to something else here because, you know, if, if we keep talking about this 18 year old Tyler Buckner for, you know, I'm going to start breathing a little bit heavy over here. I'm getting, <laughs> a, getting hot under the collar. So let's, let's move on to something else here, Dylan. Steve likes his high school quarterbacks, and he's nineteen. <laughs> he's nineteen. Nice. Ooh, More he than... can drink in most in all of Canada. Nice. Um. Okay. So we've talked about pretty much everything. Uh, is there anybody we need to rip this week? Like all, like uh, pick six previews. Oh, I'll tell you. I'll sucks. tell you exactly who we need sucks. to rip. You didn't listen to my little rant. I just ripped half of Twitter. Oh, let's go. Let's oh, go. I'll I'll tell you who needs to be fucking ripped. The entire Saints offensive line, you motherfuckers. Who the hell do you think you are to let my good friend and loyal listener of the podcast, Ian James Book, I have no idea if his middle name is James. Just <laughs> How dare they? And that was that. I mean, Book, when he had some time, he missed one throw. He missed one throw. He, he went underneath when he should have gone up top. But, I mean, the guy was running for his life. So, you know, Ian, uh, it was a more impressive performance than people would ever be able to imagine. I, I think if you look at it, he, he actually played a, a halfway decent game. And I think if he has an opportunity in that league, he could legitimately be an NFL guy. So uh, going to continue to root for Ian and his success. There's, uh, there's, there's some people that obviously have given up on him as he stepped off campus. Oh, he's Kelly's guys, that this, that, the other. Hey, you know what? He's our guy. And and we still run PR for him, so screw the Saints offensive line, especially the right guard from Michigan. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I, I can't believe people actually willingly watched the NFL. I watched that game last it's night. A garbage. It's, it's an objectively it's, garbage. Oh, it's terrible. Uh, but other than that, the only other people we really have to rip, uh, the lack of Oklahoma State fans in our mentions right now, uh, but also just Michigan. They're acting, act like you've been there before. They haven't. They haven't, and they're not going to. But the the fans and they're so there's these random three followers or three following no follower 
people on our account just yelling at us. Oh, this one didn't age well. Of course it didn't. We're a propaganda podcast. 99% of our stuff doesn't age well. And when it does, <laughs> we'll do a victory lap around you. But like, I'm just so sick of Michigan. And if they win a game, if, if they win, if they two, beat Georgia. It's sheets for me, boy. I, I'm just going to log off for a little bit. Like, it's just annoying. So, other than that, that's all I got. Yeah. Do you guys want to get into um, mailbag questions? Because we got a few from Twitter. Um, yes, we uh, asked. Do oh, you want to go? Quick. No, just real quick. Kari D is transferring. We'll talk about that when we get to recruits, when we talk about that. Uh, Mike Elson is calling the defense. He said, uh, Freeman said that he'll have input on that. I don't think it changes anything there. As a When you're coaching and you have a headset on, you're going to have conversations. It's just going to be a real quick conversation instead of, you know, coming out of your own with, with what play. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Freeman does as a coach. I'll be watching that very closely on the uh, sideline. And Jordan Bethello is going to be at Rover, uh, which is good. Cool. Uh, so really quickly, who saw this coming? Texas Tech is steamrolling Mississippi State. Heading into the fourth quarter, it's 27 to 7. I had the money line and plus eight and a half. So uh, we're going to win both of those. Let's fucking go. Nice win, buddy. Um, okay. Uh, you could tell this was P wagon tweeting from the podcast account. Cause it says bull questions go. Um, so we got a bunch. Yes, yeah. You will go. We'll go through all of them. I think we have time. Um, clutch sports, Notre Dame. What freshman could you see playing besides Fisher alt and Diggs? Um, I think Buckner's an obvious choice there. Uh, he's going to be in the game one way or another. Um, Lorenzo Styles, uh, Dion Colsey. You guys thinking of anyone else? No, that's that's the group. I would like to see Spindler maybe late in the game if it's a blowout. Uh, potentially our uh, our boy Gabe Rubio. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my boy. No one else. Can, <laughs> I have no a fun one. one. Here's a name. Prince Collie. Sure. Yep. I think that yep. he, he would be, a, he's an athletic specimen. You know, he was rated by, I think, at least one of the Raiders uh, as a five-star. You know, he, he ended up being a composite four, but you know, he's, he's freak talented. You know, we've, uh, we've had obviously some, some injuries and we've been a little, uh, a little thin at the position. So eh, I'd knows? say, I'd say Prince Collie is no worse than the third best recruit in the incoming linebackers class. And that's the best linebackers class in the country. That's how good he is. Like he is, yeah. he is as talented as the kids that are coming in behind him. Um, obviously oh, yeah. he, he have an embarrassment have a, of riches. He'll have a head start development. So he'll be better immediately. Um, but in terms of projection, I think, I, I think he's on that level and I think they moved him over to will too. So we could definitely see him get some rotations. Um, next question. Um, Marvel. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Aldrich Estimate. Oh, it's a good, good call. Uh, too. Yep, good one. Okay, at Marvel Trooper asks, uh, do we see a noticeable difference in the passion and intensity of a post BK Notre Dame team? Yes, I think it's an unequivocal yes. I think it's a yes because he left. Like the circumstances have heightened. I think the energy. Um, I also think it will be like that in the future because of the man who replaced him is a high energetic guy. I don't. If, if if you're trying to hint at, you know, Notre Dame didn't have any intensity or passion under Brian Kelly, I'll reject that. Um, but, yeah, we'll see more under Freeman. So I agree with you guys. Um, Drew Brennan on Twitter says uh, or asks, feel like Austin going off in this game would be uh, great to help the Irish get a win. But it might mean it might make the decision for him to go pro. So 
is it a catch-22? Are we worried about uh, Austin playing too well to go to the draft, but we need him to play well to win the game? What do you think of that conceptualization? I listened to what he talked about today. Uh, I think he's gone. Just in terms of how he spoke, I would be very surprised if he comes back for another year. Uh, he really was very standoffish to the question uh, that he would figure it out after the game was over, and he was focusing on the game. But like, I yeah, know. that's that's too bad because I think he needs another year of development. I think I he's talented. I think he's talented enough to be in the NFL. He'll be drafted, no doubt. I don't think he's going to be drafted in the first three rounds at all. Um, he's probably a four expect- to five. Yeah. Well, yeah. Won't he get a, a, they do draft evals, right? For- they do. Um, they do. You got to wonder who's doing them for him. Um, well, there's the NFL ones, but then there's also going to be people talking to him, telling him, oh, we hear you're this round pick or something. So I don't know all the information he has. Um, I would imagine a, a good and fair draft evaluation would take into account that he struggled this year and that, like every year, wide receiver group might be the best position group in a draft. Um, I mean, Equiminius St. Brown was a sixth-round draft pick, and he was phenomenal at Notre Dame. So uh, that doesn't mean that's what Kevin Austin's going to be, but I think another year would help him flourish as the type of receiver he needs to be uh, because he can be among the best we've had. Um, yeah. Anything else on Austin before we move on? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, uh, if, if he does leave, then next year it's going to be, you know, Colsey, it'll be Braden Lindsay. Um, if Braden Lindsay doesn't transfer, but, uh, he's one of my close personal friends. So I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll shoot him a text. Um, who else, who else, who would, uh, who would Is be that on the rumor that he's gone? No, it's not. It, I, I, so yeah, I was just, that's complete conjecture on my end. Uh, I, I was just thinking like, if the room gets too crowded, you know, he's going to be a fifth year senior next year at a certain point, you know, the guy wants, he, he's going to want a, a thousand yard season and to give himself a chance, you know, uh, it's also not a guarantee that the coaching staff asks him to return. I imagine they will. I think Lindsay has definitely earned a fifth year. Um, but that's another thing too. It's not always the kid's decision. Like it is the coaching staff has to want you to come back too. That's another component. Yeah. I, I love Braden Lindsay. I, I, he's like, he's like the Deshaun Jackson type of our team. Uh, and I, I think he has outrageous potential and he's, you know, he's, he's flashed good hands and good route running at certain points. And obviously he's still kind of developing and, and doing his thing. So uh, I'm, if he, I, I really genuinely want Lindsay on this roster next year. Cause I think he can blow the top off and you got a lot of talent around him. But that's the thing is if Austin doesn't come back, I still think we have a lot of talent, but we have a lot of thin talent. Any injuries that we have next year at the wide receiver position immediately make us a a significantly worse team. So the margin for error does does concern me. But transfer portal does exist. I believe we're going to the transfer portal for wide receiver. Um, Yeah. Uh, weekend hacker asks more rushing or more passing in this game. I think we're going to be all know everybody's answers here, but P lead us off. (laughs) I'm thinking about this. I think the answer depends on if we're winning or not. If we're winning the game, we'll be running the ball more. If we're losing the game or in a close game, we'll probably throw the ball more. It's probably, I don't necessarily think it's an offensive philosophy so much as it is just a reaction to how the game is. Situational, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. 
Uh, let's just move on to another one because we want to speed it up a bit. Mike Ulitz asks on Twitter, sorry if I botched that, uh, will we see more of Tyler Buckner this game? Yes. Mm, we'll see. Uh, again, I think that's more of a situational thing. You know, uh, is the running game working without him? You know, then then there's less of a reason to bring him in and potentially open up mistake, right? Because after all, he's a, a a freshly 19-year-old kid, you know, true freshman, so... My my issue is the way it's it's phrased. It's almost as though we haven't been seeing a lot of a lot of him already, which I find weird because I think we've seen way more of Buckner than we expected to this year. Oh, I don't think anyone sure. expected to see Buckner play this much to begin with. Mm-hmm. So will we see more of him? Probably not, but we'll still see him, which is I think amazing to begin with because who would have thought um, that we would see more Tyler Buckner snaps than Drew Pine? Very true. Yeah. All right. Last one, James Mick Mack. Will the O-line be able to, I imagine, protect Cone here? Uh, he said pretty Cone, but I, I would imagine that means protect Cone. Um, I'm going to say yes. Yeah, yeah, I, I do too, and I, I hope so. Uh, just kind of a real side note before I let Steve get into his talk here. I bought an NFT today of Jack Cone, so I really hope he does well. Uh I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I now currently, I've been looking at this for the last half hour, just trying to figure out what the fuck to do with an NFT of Jack Cohn. So uh, I just needed to say that on record to someone. So uh, if anyone wants to buy it, it's number four of a hundred. So yeah, I think that O-line will be able to protect them pretty well. I am worried about Blake Fisher in his first game speed reps, but with what Freeman is doing good on good uh, for the early part of camp, I think it won't matter too much. Uh, but definitely pretty him up and uh, boost my uh, my NFT sale. Yeah, I, I think they're able to, right? And especially since they're going to have, again, a a full month to prepare for this game. And iron sharpens iron. You know, they, they have a, a full month to have this pretty damn good defensive line go up you know, against them in, in practice, uh, get these guys more prepared. You know, they've been better every single game since the beginning of the year when it was that abysmal performance offensive line wise, um, you know, against Florida State and not much better at all against Toledo. Uh, And then it's just got better and better. So I I think that it's going to be perfectly fine. All right. I got a random question for you guys. You know how Oklahoma State head coach Mike Gundy has that famous line of I'm a man, I'm 40. Um. Well, he's Rich, now. he's 54 now. Uh, Rich Eisen, uh, NBC TV guy, football, um, the only Michigan man I like. He was interviewing Marcus Freeman and he made a joke and he said, when you're coaching against Mr. Gundy, could you ask him if you're considered a man because you're only, you know, what he's 35 or something? Because you're not sure. quite 40 yet. Is Marcus Freeman a man? You'd have to ask Mike Gundy. So what I want to ask you guys is, uh, at what age do you become a man? I can tell you from firsthand experience, it's not 32. That's <laughs> <laughs> <I was> expected. <laughs> well, I will be 31 in a week, uh, so it's not 30 either. Uh, so, yeah. In the Jewish it, tradition... It might be 40. It might in, be 40. Ju- in the Jewish tradition, it's 12. True. Do they, do they have bar mitzvahs up in Canada? I would imagine they do for Jewish Canadians. Isn't Drake Jewish? I don't know. I I heard. I think he is, but interesting. Uh, no, but I think Celine Dion definitely Jewish. I don't know. No, I know. She, she I, gives I, off I think that a, a Pistopalian vibe. 
Well, she's French, so I imagine she would just be Quebecois Catholic. Um, what about uh, Eugene Levy and Dan Levy? Uh, that would that yes. Um, yeah, there's some great Canadian Jewish talent over Justin time. Bieber. Is he really? No, I. He's very Catholic. I would just uh, name a Canadian that I knew or like, Christian, more accurately. Uh, <laughs> yep, I'm not gonna lie. I pulled Celine Dion out of my ass. She's That's not a, allowed to play in Israel. Okay, I'm guessing she's play in Israel. That okay, so that would have made oh, her unequivocally. Oh, but this is getting uh, a little, little off no, to the right. But it's, it's is, the best part of the show is when we get off track. Easily. She's now in the Jewish deli business. She uh, Schwartz's. Yeah, Schwartz's deli. She's a part owner of this deli. So let me tell you guys a story. As a Montrealer for three years now, uh, Schwartz's Deli is the tourist destination in Montreal. Um, smoked meat is a very Montreal thing, and Schwartz's Deli, for whatever reason, has become the the hub of uh, smoked meat lovers. And uh, Celine Dion owns the company, I believe, or at least used to. So a little bit of information for you the next time you guys are in Montreal. I've never sure. been, but I want to go eventually. Interesting. All right. So, yeah. the, the I also heard something about Montreal recently. Oh, yeah? It's it, it's basically illegal to speak not French there. Oh my! Where have you been for forty years? Um, <laughs> let's talk about that one after the show. Um, he was not dead. Quite. He wasn't alive for eight of those years. So yeah. Um, n- no, but there's rules on businesses. Is kind of the thing. Okay. It's it's complicated. I didn't and, want to be problematic. I'm trying no. not to get canceled on like a on an episode by episode basis. Anyone who would cancel you would not be listening to the show. So you're you're safe. <laughs> well, you never know. I, on, on that topic, I don't I don't think I have uh, francophone Quebecers watching or listening to our podcast. Although that would be pretty cool. And you are making up, you are making up words right now. There's yeah, seven, I have no idea what you just said. I'm sorry. Minutes. Sometimes I forget not everybody is Canadian. That's a very American thing of me to say. You spelled paycheck with a Q. That was the most Canadian thing I've ever fucking seen. I didn't know it was CK. I thought that was a joke. I thought paycheck, (laughs) that's how like idiots spelled it. Because I tried to spell it that way once and someone laughed at me. And I'm like, well, how do you spell it? You spelled it with a Q-U-E. I've got nothing to say. We're getting rascally tonight. I I do such a conscious effort to not spell anything the right way. So when we're talking about color and labor and honor, I never use the U. I always try to do the the O-R. And then offense on the podcast account, I spell with an S, which drives me nuts. You know, offense is spelled with a C. But I do it for you guys. And the one time I slip up, I'm just, just torn apart. I do have one last question before we wrap this up yeah from wookie for nd he says or they say who gives a shit about bowl wins we play for the championship a bowl game is a participation trophy agree or disagree yeah i i kind of agree with that i it doesn't mean the game doesn't matter but the context in which he was referring to i think was um more about bowl wins and national championship appearances and stuff and in my opinion Notre Dame is about excellence. Notre Dame is not about Mickey Mouse postseason bowls, which is why we didn't play in them for 60 years. Um, not quite 60. I think it was 40. But 
we're here to win a national championship. We're not here to win a conference title. We're not here to win the the Armed Forces Barstool Bowl. Um, we're not here to win the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. We're here to win the national championship. We have not done that. That is on us. Um, would I love to win the Fiesta Bowl? Yes, I would love to get it out of the way. Since it matters for some reason, we should still try. But at the end of the day, I will take a championship opportunity over a New Year's Six Bowl game every day of the week. Steve? Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, you know, I mean, the national championship, that's that's the white whale, right? But you, know, you have to face the facts. It's been 33 years, right? So, um, listen, New Year's Six Bowl games, college football playoff games, uh, you know, like semifinal games, fact of the matter is they matter. They might not matter to you, the objective Notre Dame fan. Uh, they matter to recruits. And if it matters to recruits, it matters to me because I want the best talent in the country on that campus. So, um, yeah, obviously, every single year since 2004, when I became a fan, I've, you know, every August, like 20 something, I'm like, oh, Notre Dame looks good this year. We're going to win a national championship. And every <laughs> year since uh, since August of 2004, I've uh, not exactly seen that come to fruition. If uh, you know, for, for lack of a better term, Steve, so, you sound like a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Oh Jesus! <laughs> so, that's, uh, that's a, a fate I wouldn't wish on anybody. One one more thing, P. One more thing. Just one more thing. One more yep. thing. Piggybacking on Steve's point. If Georgia and Alabama blow out their competition and Notre Dame wins this game, Notre Dame will be ranked number three to end the year. That is a narrative builder for next year. That this team, who won their bowl game, assuming we win, was denied a playoff spot. They're rejuvenated. They're bringing back lots of, lots of talent. And Marcus Freeman is the dude. That could help with recruiting. That could help with perspective on the program, on how people view the program. And I think that does matter. Um, but just as a fan, I like I want to win them, but I don't think they're the be-all, end-all. Yeah, I disagree with that. Um, not just for the sake of disagreeing, but we do play for championships, but as of right now, only four teams get into the championship. Before that, only two teams got into the championship. If you're not playing to win a bowl game, stay at home. So championships do matter, yes. It's apples and oranges and then a watermelon thrown in the back. There are three separate, three separate things there. Championships matter. Bowl games matter. You have to play to win. There, you'll, you saw some teams out there uh, so far this year who gave just a piss-poor effort who didn't care at all. That being said, if Notre Dame shows up and doesn't care at all, the message boards are going to be aflame. So I think it's three parts to the same whole, if that makes sense. So yeah. No, it, it does. And you should always play to win, no doubt. Um, and I think that, that goes to a lot what Steve said too, right? It's it's perception. It's, it's changing the tide. If I have oh, to see yes. one more fucking graphic going back to that fucking Oregon State loss against whatever loser quarterback that was that did that flamed out in the NFL. If I just have to see one more goddamn graphic and statistic and it's been 72 years, shut the fuck up. Shut up. 
the 2021 Notre Dame roster is not the 2000 Orange Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, fuck-ass bowl from God knows what. It's a completely (laughs) different team. Every four years, that's just the way college works. You absolute inbreds that can't comprehend this. You know who was on that Oregon State team? Chad Johnson and TJ Hushmanzada. Fuck them both. (laughs) Bob Davey was the coach. Fuck him, Uh, too. Well, yeah, right there. Also, one. Was, who was the quarterback? Was it Rick Barr? No, it was Matt Lavecchio. Right. So fuck you, Steve. <laughs> He's no, my no, boy. No, no, no I, I'm not saying I, I'm not saying anything bad about that Notre Dame team or any Notre Dame team. I'm, I was saying fuck the the Oregon, Oregon State. State. Oh, yeah. Uh, quarterback. What was it? Orlovsky or something? No, I forget. That was, U- that was UConn. Yeah, I don't um, know. It was, it was some absolute peasant loser. Anyway. <laughs> But he, but he Jonathan, Jonathan like Smith. It was uh, Jonathan Jonathan Smith, who is currently. So you're telling me John Smith beat Notre Dame. Jonathan Smith beat Notre Dame, and he's currently the head coach at Oregon State. Wow, Fuck. Steve's beefing with a quarterback from 22 years ago. Yeah, I'll throw mitts. <laughs> I'll I, like I'll like, call up Barstool. I'll, I'll throw mitts rough and rowdy with that guy. Anyway, the moral of the story is teams of the past are not indicative of the future. It's just like Notre Dame, when they've played in big games, you know, the uh, the LSU game in the mid 2000s, you know, we kind of obviously we got waxed, but they were a very talented team. Obviously, there was the Alabama game in 2012, historically unbelievable team, 2015 Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State. If you go in back and look at that roster, that 2015 Ohio State team, they had over 40 NFL players. It's one of the greatest teams of all time. 2018 Clemson, one of the greatest teams ever assembled. 2020 Alabama, one of the greatest teams ever assembled. Yeah, we've lost big games. Again, some of the greatest teams in college football history, you absolute fucking inbreds. Joe I'm Burrow sick of this goddamn narrative. If, if we lose this game, and if I have to see one more time, one more year, get more texts, more DMs, more people Facebook messaging me, I will go on. I'm not going to finish that sentence because it was going to get dark. But let me tell you, I'm going to lose my mind. So please, head coach Marcus Freeman, I am on my hands and knees begging you. Win this game by 122 points. I don't care if we are up 122 to nothing with with one second on the clock and we have the ball on the goal line. Punch it in. Dominate them. Because I can't stand it anymore. That's the end of my rant. You're going out 2021 with a bang, Steve. I like it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to. I'm going <laughs> to let it rest. P-Wagon looks so unimpressed right now. I know you guys can't see this because this is an audio podcast, but we're on video, and it's just the disappointment in his face is hilarious. Uh, I'm worried. <laughs> I don't know if I have to call a number or something right now. Like, there, yeah, Steve, are you okay? I'm going to have to call a hotline if we lose this game. It's been four years, and not one of us thought to ask Steve if he was okay. <laughs> <laughs> just just got to have, have, let it happen a little bit. In in our introduction song to these podcasts, Steve says he's going to kill himself, and we haven't asked him if he's all right. <laughs> what is wrong with this community? <laughs> I haven't received a single tweet, a single DM. Nobody cares. 
shit, you got yelled at once for uh Yeah. I mean come that up uh, that tweet was objectively one of the funniest tweets that's ever been posted on the internet. Come on. You're not wrong. Hey, are, are we done with this? Because I, again, I, I'm wading into canceled area, and this I, is I, getting this is getting funnier the longer we go. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, uh, I've, I've got no, I literally have nothing else to say. I am I'm flabbergasted. Should I tell my cowboy fact that I was telling you guys pregame? No, that that's whatever. Yeah, because that that. That hurts me a bit because I'm a Cowboys fan in another sense. So oh yeah, true. Taking shots at me a bit. By the way, the Dallas Cowboys are winning the Super Bowl. I don't care what anyone says. It's a done deal. Well, I can guarantee it's not going to be the fucking Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> <sighs> Chase Claypool did nothing wrong. I will stand on that hill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. You're, well, you're looking something up. I could see it in the reflection of your glasses. What are you? What are you looking? I think I he's am. still looking at his Jack Cone NFT. I <laughs> <laughs> how to sell it. Uh, I don't know what the fuck to do on it. What is an NFT? Can someone smarter than me tell me that? Because I, I have no idea. And you bought one. Yeah. I, I haven't the slightest idea, but every time I see someone tweet about one, I just want to like screenshot it and just send it back to him and be like, I own it now. Do you guys want to see it? I'm, this is terrible audio, but I'm going to show terrible audio podcast. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this NFT real quick, and then we will sign off. Uh, there's a hundred of them. I got number four. This is all it is. It's, a, it's just, just a picture, picture of Jack Cone. It's a picture of Jack Cone. It says on it, Jack Cone. <laughs> That's <laughs> literally what it is. Uh, Feel the electricity, baby. Hope that thing sells for ten x. <laughs> nine people have looked at it. One people, one person has favored it. Uh, looks like five people have bought them. Uh, so I, I don't know what I'm doing. So uh, if someone smarter than me knows uh, how to uh, do this stuff, let me know. Uh, I'm pretty sure NFTs are almost exclusively used for money laundering. Oh, I don't love that. <laughs> Not a fan of that. P's on a, on a watch list now. Yeah. Someone's selling a Blake Corum one. For a hundred and ninety thousand dollars, I'm gonna fucking kill myself. <laughs> How are these people making this much money? I'm grinding sixty hours a fucking week, working my ass off just to get these people enrolled in their fucking four hundred one k's, so that way I can help these inbreds retire. That's all I dedicate my life to is just trying to help make other people wealthy and I'm living paycheck to goddamn paycheck while these people are taking screenshots of fucking pictures and selling them for six figures. If if you're looking for a good way to have me end it all, you just keep you keep giving me NFT stats because you're you're it's one more step into the grave every time you give me a figure. Steve's final note will say, "PS, please delete my web browser history but here's the joke here's the joke the web browser history will all be like 247 recruiting profiles (laughs) it's like you hacked my phone (laughs) (laughs) oh jesus all right i gotta call it quits if i go any further tonight i might legitimately be fit for a straight jacket well
Yeah, Pete was thinking, well, you should be already, but he didn't want to say it. You finished that. Thank you, Alioop. Yeah, so with that being said, uh, I hope you all have a very nice rest of your week. Uh, Everyone stay safe out there. Master up if you want to. Don't if you don't. Uh, If you have come in contact with anyone with COVID, get yourself tested. And that's all I got. Let's go Irish. Yeah. Uh, this has been an oh, episode. Are we doing game predictions, or are we just? Gonna... Uh, yeah, we should probably predict. Yeah, we should, game. Uh, hey, remember that gigantic game in like five days from now? Let's predict yeah. it. All right, I gotta write something down. <clears throat> oh, Dylan, are we gonna do our thing? Are we gonna work our magic right here? All right, I'll go first. <clears throat> um, quick prediction. It's gonna be not so quick. Okay. Fighting Irish are coming out hot. They're going to be up 14-3 in this game. There's going to be a little bit of back and forth as we head into halftime. And then we're going to come out. We're going to have a really strong third quarter. This is this is going to go very, very similar to the Florida State game for the first three quarters. Except there's going to be no fourth quarter claps. We are putting this son of a bitch away, and we are winning big. Final score, Notre Dame 45 Oklahoma State, 17. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, I was going to say 34-21, Notre Dame. I was going to say 37-13, Notre Dame. I like that score. I revised mine to yours. (laughs) But, like, 37 is a hard number to get to. I'll give it 38. Yeah, let's let's go 38-13. All right, I like that. It'll be 31-13, and it'll, it'll be five minutes left in the fourth quarter, and Jay Bramblett will throw a touchdown pass to Harrison Leonard, and then I will no, <laughs> I will no longer see <laughs> And that's when you achieve your final form <laughs> that, of Nirvana. That is, that's Nirvana there. <laughs> <laughs> well, what an episode, and thank you everyone who stuck through us over the past uh, rough estimate here just looking at the clock. Looks to be about an hour and five minutes, hour and ten minutes. Yeah. Um, thank you, everyone. We hope you had a wonderful Christmas, Kwanzaa, Diwali, Hanukkah, Hanukkah anything else. And Coffee obviously, that was hopefully everyone has a great New Year's Eve. Be safe on New Year's Eve. Don't do anything stupid. Please, everyone, stay happy, healthy, and jolly. Let's uh, And let's just go into this game and kick the living shit out of these damn cowboys. And everyone, let's just let's just have a party. For four straight quarters, I want everyone to just party and have fun. So that's that's me signing off. Possibly for the last time. We'll see. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not even going to try to top that. That was really well said, Steve. Go Irish. Beat the Cowboys. Go Irish. All right. I loved that. That was a really good one. That (laughs) That was a lot of fun.